welcome to the People Doing Good podcast. I am Mariah Volk. And I am Senor Jerry Robinson. Senor, are we speaking Spanish today, Jerry? Yes, so just call me Geraldo instead of Jerry. Geraldo and Maria of the People okay. Doing Good, Muy Bien, the Muy Bien podcast. Si. What do you think? Uh, listeners, Jerry and I like to play around a little bit sometimes. If this is your first time tuning in to our podcasts, we're all about spreading positivity by sharing the stories of people doing good. And we just want to brighten your day a little bit, maybe get you feeling inspired to um, also do something good in the world and get out there and help help another, another person or an animal or um, whatever it may be. But our guest today is such a perfect example for me of why we started this podcast in the beginning. The work that Miss Amanda Kitchens does with Our Village Closet is just beyond important. Um, her title of Our Village Closet is co-founder, connector, and executive director of operations and development. And Our Village Closet is a nonprofit in Sonoma County that Jerry and I we got, had the opportunity to visit. We brought some shoes to them over Christmas. And Jerry and I were both blown away by what we saw. Um, and I'd just like to, if, Jerry, unless you have any any words before we get into it, let Amanda tell you in her words um, what this means to her and what her life as a foster parent is all about. Let's roll. Enjoy the conversation. Amanda, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Um, it is Amanda's first time on a podcast, and it's what me and Jerry is this ninety episode ninety three. Yeah, or like we're getting up wow. there. Wow! Wow! Excited to have you. And um, I want to let our listeners know how we all met was um, when we we brought shoes to you um, before Christmas. We brought a yeah. hundred pairs to our village closet. Mm-hmm. And can you just describe how it all began from day one? Where, where did this idea come from? Okay. Um, so it really came down to our own needs not being met as foster parents. So I'm a foster parent or resource parent. Um, my husband and I have been for the last 10 years. And then my co-founder, Dominique, is um, about the same. Our timelines are about the same. Um And we went through an agency called TLC. So we met around a table, a support group table. um, And we quickly learned what this foster care journey is about. Oh my gosh. So many needs, um, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, so many needs. And um, I think we were about six years in and we were getting placements and we weren't able to get everything we needed. You know, you get a call and it's, Hey, there's a four-year-old at the emergency room. Can you come meet us? And maybe you only have stuff for babies or teens. Um, So to be able to go know there's a place to go and grab what you need, not have to worry about spending money or um, calling a bunch of different places, running around town, or even worse, doing that once you've picked up the child and further traumatizing the child, right? Dragging them around town, Um, they don't know you, you don't know them, uh, you don't know what their triggers are. So Dominique had to do that with a young, like a toddler. Um, and then I got a call four years ago for a little baby. Can you meet me at the emergency room in two hours is what the social worker said. Um, 
And I called my husband. I was like, okay, we're doing this again. Mm-hmm. And we have no baby stuff. So don't check the bank account. And we'll just talk about it later. <laughs> um, so that's basically what I did. I just ran through the store, just piling up. Our car seat had expired because we had three other kids, but they hadn't been babies for a while. So we needed um, just about everything baby. And then when I got to the hospital and saw that he was actually preemie, he was four pounds. I said, none of the clothes I have will fit. And it was really hard to find preemie clothes. So a bunch of other foster moms kind of gathered their stuff and Dominique brought it over to me. And basically on our, my couch is where we decided this is, let's do this. Let's create a space. Are we crazy? Yes. Do we have the time? Probably not, but we had at that time, then there were, we had eight kids between us, all special needs and let's, let's just do it. So that's how it began. Wow. So this four pound baby. Yeah. Where is this baby now? He is, we adopted him. Um, and he just had heart surgery in January. Um, and he is probably out running around with my mom. Who's 80, like chasing after him. He's (laughs) he, there is no stopping him. It's such a bright light. And yeah, that is so wonderful. So you going a little further back, um, in your life, the, the fostering, the, the first child that you fostered, what made you decide to do that? You know, I almost feel like it chose us. Mm. Um, we, we started fostering for different reasons that we are doing it now. We wanted to grow our family. We had been trying, we'd been married 10 years. We'd been trying, um, battled infertility and all kinds of ambiguous loss and, um, grief and friends were saying you should do adoption, but it was just too expensive. Um, and they said, well, then maybe you should foster and, and then maybe there'll be some children that need to be adopted from foster care. We're like, no, thank you. No, we're weak. There's no way we can do that. The whole, everything we hear people say to us now, right. We're not strong enough to do that. I'm going to have to like bring them in, love them and then say goodbye. I'll get too attached. And those are all good things. That's what we need to do for these kids. Cause in the end, it's about them and their hearts and them feeling the love and feeling that attachment. So we started to grow our family, but now we want to be part of the stories beyond us, you know, those stories of redemption and stories of healing and hope and just being part of a few chapters of a story. And so you have four. Yeah. You go ahead, Jack. Amanda, um, now the foster system, how long do children stay in a foster home? How does that whole thing work? Is it a certain amount of years that they stay or how does that, can you explain that? Yeah, they, um, it's changed a little bit since we started, but they really want, the end goal is permanency. So whether that permanency is back with biological family or with extended family or with an adoptive home, um, they try to do that in 24 months or less. That's the goal. Uh, but it, that rarely happens. That rarely happens. And when we started, you could be an emergency foster home. So you just have kids for a few months and then they can move on to another foster home where they are willing to support reunification. But if it doesn't work, they'll adopt, which is what we became. Um, or maybe sometimes they need more therapeutic foster homes. 
Uh, you know what? I, you know, Amanda, I'm, I'm listening to your voice and I'm looking at you and I can feel the true passion and love you have for these children. Yeah. And I can imagine that it must be very difficult when they move on. How do you deal with that? Um, you get ready for grief. You, mm -hmm. you learn how you grieve. Mm -hmm. Um, you find your support system. That's what we okay. tell people who say, what should I know before I start this? Figure out how to take care of yourself, figure out how you grieve, figure out who your support system is. Um, and if you don't have one, find one. If you don't practice self-care or intentional well-being, start doing it now. Um, maybe find a good therapist already <laughs> because you, you, ask you, you need to tap into all that. Yeah. I would think there's so much to talk about and to, to process through. And since we met and um, we visited your, your location, I've uh, started following you on social media and some of your posts, and I don't know if it's you that writes the post or Dominique, yeah. Yeah. Um, these interesting, really insightful posts. And one of them that's standing out right now, um, this may have been a few weeks ago, something about, and, and you can elaborate on this. It was something about saying, don't say to a foster kid, you're so lucky to be in such a loving home right. because they've just experienced the worst loss you can experience in their parents in whatever way that took place. Yeah. So they don't feel lucky. So can you kind of expand on that, that line of thinking? Yeah. And I really think it is, I don't know that it even comes from a, like a malicious place from other people, but I've heard that too. Like, oh, they're so lucky to have you like, no, no, not, that's not it at all. Um, they've lost everything they know, whether we think it was a horrible circumstance or not, it's what they knew and it's what they loved. Um, I think another post that I shared recently was when a child is like abused or hears bad things about themselves, they don't stop loving the person doing it. They stop loving themselves. Yeah. Um, and so they need a safe place. They need um, a place for, they need us to just hold space for them and allow them to grieve. And some of that behavior is really ugly. Um, we have a six-year-old, she's going to be seven. We adopted her, but as all she knows is chaos. There was so much chaotic neglect in her life before she came to us at two. Um, food deprivation, domestic violence. She feels more comfortable when it's chaotic and negative. So as soon as we start to get close and really bond and connect, she pushes me away and starts stealing food or lying or, and I go, what? I thought we were doing so good. I thought we were getting somewhere and it it's hard not to take it personally. And I do. Um, but that's why we are in therapy and we'll stay in therapy. Yeah. And, I, um, I have so many questions for you. I I've just, again, like Jerry said, I'm so impressed by what you're doing is so important. And our podcast really were about sharing stories of people who are doing good in the community. And I can't think of a cause that, I mean, every cause is important. But providing a safe place for children to to call home, I mean, I can't think of many that are more important. And um, you've got your four that you've adopted. Now, how do you, what's your dialogue with them about your family and, and the origins in terms of people always ask, like, when do you tell them they're adopted or yeah. you know, what's, what's, your, um, what's your process with that? 
So we started even before they were verbal, telling them kind of like their story um, from where we came into it or what we understood, just kind of like a bedtime story. Um, and my 10-year-old loves it because the one with him is that I looked up, mom looked up at the moon and I was asking, you know, putting it out there in the universe to God, can I please, can we have children? Can I have, and I heard the moon say no, but if I, if I had been listening all the way, I would have heard not this way. And so he loves that. He's all, ha ha, you weren't listening. And, um, but, and then there was a better plan and it was for you to come into our lives. And then your sisters and your brother and whatever other kids come in for however long they are here. Um, We tell them right away in age appropriate ways. um, We want to be really open. I have a sister actually that my parents adopted and this was over 50 years ago. So everything was very closed. Records were sealed. They had no support or guidance in how you um, help a child process adoption and the trauma that can come with it. And so oftentimes she has heard her whole life. Oh, you should just be grateful. Like you instead of just acknowledging her pain and her loss. Um, And then, so a couple of years ago, our 10 year old's belly mom passed away. And the last time he had seen, we call belly mom, belly moms and belly dads is our term for it. Um, The last time he had seen her, he was about two. Um, So not a whole lot of like no recent or cognizant memories, but his body remembered that and his body felt that. And I was holding him just, he was weeping and sobbing. And he said, I don't even know why I feel so sad, but I'm so sad, mom. And it's just... Every day we learn from these kids about trauma, but about resilience and healing and how family can look so different. And, and that's okay. We, we meet up with our nine-year-olds, belly dad, a few times a year, um, keep that open and in contact. So that's a hard thing because each of our children's stories is different. They don't all have connections or they've lost the connections or they don't know who belly dad is or that part's hard. So I get put on the spot a lot and I, there's, it's unprecedented. I have no model for it. So I just go with whatever comes out or I say, I have to think about that a little bit first, but thank you for asking. Thank you for feeling safe enough to ask me such a big question. Well, you know, I know you have a lot on your plate, but I, when you were telling me the moon, telling us the moon story, yeah, that's such a children's book. You would be such a great yeah. author. I, I have thought about that. Yeah, I have. Series on, um, on fostering and, and I think, yeah, I support that if you move forward in that direction. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I second that. <laughs> Yeah, that's children, yeah. children's books. Uh, right now, it's on my mind because I'm I'm in the process of trying to not trying. I'm in the, writing a, a children's book about the shoe fairy. Oh, because how neat! When I started doing shoes for kids. They started calling me the shoe fairy, and I'd go to schools. Oh, and say, yeah. The shoe fairy's here, and even some schools where they recognize me from repeat visits. It's the shoe fairy, and I'm like, okay, so what a cool, um, cute, simple children's book concept, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A way to make a child smile, give them some shoes. Yep. Yeah. And it's a good way to educate and just tell the story a different way. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know how it is when you're talking. It's interesting. Everybody has a different way of learning something. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, some back in the day, uh, some 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 kids had a hard time learning things, and what some teachers started doing, they started putting their lessons into the form of rap music style of learning, and they picked it up. It's interesting because this happened. And I just thought it was just it was quite interesting. Everybody has a different way. And I love the way you tell the stories because you got their attention. You know, man, I want to say this, you know, uh, it's amazing what you are able to do. You know, you're opening up your heart, your home, your life, and you guys deal with a lot of situations, a lot of different situations. And I just, I, from my heart and soul, I just want to thank you for uh, you being who you are and your husband being who he is and, and, and what you're doing because you are, you guys are literally saving people's lives and you're changing their lives, you know, because you have them for a moment and they're gone and you're, you know, what you're doing, you're instilling in them something that they haven't had before, some hope, some hope, some hope, you know, and they have something that they can take with them that's going to change their lives, hopefully for the, for the better. And I just, I am really impressed with, uh, with you and, and, and your whole program. And, you know, and I, let me ask you another question. Um, how, how many people do you think have been through um, our village closet? Do you know? Um, so, so, the resource center that you guys came to in December, um, where we mm-hmm. first met, we just opened that in June of last okay. year. So we're just at that kind of six, seven month mark right now. Um, okay. Before we opened up, um, Dominique and I kept all our stuff in storage units and in our homes and in our cars. And we just drove around the county and she's out in West County and I'm in North County. Um so having this physical space has definitely increased the number of people that we interact with. Before the resource center was here, we would do about 20 to 30 people a month that we would help. And since we opened the resource center, we average about 150 a month wow. that come through. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So right. like, yeah. What's up? Mariah, Mariah, you know about storage units and, and clothes and, oh, and, and, and in the back of cars and in closets. Sometimes I'll pick my kids up from school and I'm like moving shoe boxes so I can fit them yeah. both in the car. <laughs> They're like, Mom, this is so embarrassing. Why do you have so many shoes? And you know, and yes, moving them to and from storage units. Jerry and I wow. um, trips from yeah, I get it. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And the kids, they just, our kids too, automatically. Is that for OVC? Is that for OVC? Right. <laughs> so I have yeah. that. Um, yeah. yeah, that's hard. So, so your kids, um, you got the four now, is that, are you, are you going to, is, do you have potential for adopting anymore or do you, are you um, gonna- it's funny. I was watching my nephew the other day. So there were five kids and my heart was so full. And I thought, oh my gosh, I think I want five kids. Oh. And then I got a call from a social worker the next day. She's like, hey, there's a little baby that's ready to be discharged. And unfortunately, I had to say no. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought, okay, that's what the fifth kid, maybe it's not a permanent fifth kid, but it's Mm -hmm. always 
we're always going to be part of this now. So whether it is a kid in our home or like, I feel it in my bones, you know, like this is what I was meant to do. This is what all those no's and all those closed doors and all that pain has led us to is this. And so, yeah, we're ready to do, we're open for emergency fostering again for now. And maybe that does turn into permanency down the road. I don't know. I can still fit another car seat in my car. So that's what I tell my husband. (laughs) That's great. Well, we just want to thank you again for taking the time to share your story. And we hope that anyone listening is inspired as much as we are by you and what you're doing with our village closet and in your own home. Um, If anyone listening wanted to help support our village closet, what would you recommend? Do you need volunteers, donations, and how Mm -hmm. would they go about reaching out? Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, we need donations of um, time and items and, and money, you know, to, to keep things going. We do have staff members now. Um, and our website, if they visit our website at www.ourvillagecloset.org, there are sections to sign up for volunteering. Um, we are having a fundraiser in late summer, early fall. So there'll be a lot of volunteering needs there. Um, and then there's, there's a button to donate and we always have our Amazon wish list up too. And I try to just have that be our current needs. We'll always take shoes, new shoes and new underwear and new socks and, um, pajamas. Those are just, those fly off the shelves. Well, can we give you another hundred pairs? We would love that. Yes. Right. So, yeah. Does my president approve? Uh, approved. <laughs> Let's roll. Let's roll. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll make another visit. We'll fill up the back of the car and make another visit with some, some shoes for you too. That's awesome. I don't know if I shared with you the story. It was just like a day or two before you guys came by the center and we were in here on a Saturday working. It may have been a work day and a worker called and said, Hey, there were two little kids found wandering around without shoes. Can, mm-hmm. can the foster parent come by and pick up some shoes? And so they were able to grab new shoes from you guys. Yay, shoes for kids. Yeah. Story. That's the coolest. We love yeah. hearing that kind of stuff. Anytime you please reach out if there's a specific case or anything and you need a good pair of shoes. And also if I want to, um, we'd like to help if any of the kids in your program or kids that, you know, want to play a sport and they, they can't, they can't afford the athletic shoes. That's a piece. You yeah. Know, Kids sometimes aren't even signed up for a sport because the parents are concerned they won't be able to pay for all the bells and whistles you need to participate. So, yeah, we've had a lot of people asking about um, softball and baseball cleats. Okay, well, let me know because it's that season and we can get some. So, okay. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thank you. Keep up the good work and um, we'll be in touch with you. Thanks for sharing everything with our listeners too today. All right, Amanda. God God bless bless you and your husband and everything that you're doing because you are making a difference. Thank you so much. Thank you to both of you. You guys do too. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation with Amanda. Um, If you want to learn more about Our Village Closet, check them out online. Uh, Like Amanda said, ourvillagecloset.org. There's a donate button. Um, Not a lot of things more important than what she's doing and what they're doing um, for the children of our community. And Jerry, how cool was that conversation? Just very touching. I got chills a couple of times. You know what? I'm listening to her and I was watching her and she is in it to win it. 
and her passion that she has and her husband has uh, for making a difference in these kids' lives. They're saving their lives. They're bringing into their lives children that they have to sort of fix. They have to change their way of thinking. And it does have an effect on them. That's what I learned a lot about it. That, you know, they, they have to absorb what the kids are seeing and what they've been through and they're trying to help them out so uh i just take my hat off to to amanda and uh, our village closet uh, for what they're doing because we need we need that this is what this world needs and there's people like that and i'm just so grateful that she was on our podcast oh me too and and while you're here listeners i want to tell you please give us a like um and a share out there maybe even write a comment it really helps um to get that feedback reach out to us at one good podcast on social media that's the number one good podcast instagram twitter facebook people doing good podcast if you know someone doing good or if you'd like to nominate yourself as a person doing good Email is people doing good podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We see our listeners. I'm looking at that map again. There's listeners all over the place. It's really kind of spreading across the globe with the goodness of the people doing good podcast. And we're just getting started. So I'd like to um, ask Mr. Robinson, what's going on in your neighborhood today? What's going on in Mr. Robinson's neighborhood? Well, let me give you a few words so that you know what's happening. Every situation in life is temporary. So when life is good, make sure you enjoy and receive it fully. And when life is not good, remember that it will not last forever. And better days are on the way. Thank you for listening to this episode of the People Doing Good Podcast. Do something nice for someone today. See you next week. The People Doing Good podcast is brought to you by Shoes for Kids. For more info, visit shoesforkids.com. It is created and hosted by Mariah Volk and Jerry Robinson. Produced and edited by Charlene Goto of Goto Productions. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you get your podcast media. Follow on social media at One Good Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Email us at peopledoinggoodpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time.